worship, the Lord was talking to me. And um, I would say that right now, 95%, I mean, I can't back that figure up with anything, but I'd say like 95% of believers are afraid to miss the will of God, which actually leaves them in a place where they're crippled and stagnant. And I don't know where this teaching came from that it's so easy to miss his will. In my Bible, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have, for some reason, this, this teaching that's it's telling us that it's, it's so hard to follow the Lord, but it's the most joyful experience. It is the most exciting, fulfilling life. Jesus would be a bold-faced liar if, if that thing he said about him coming to give us life and life to the full didn't come true. Is he a liar? No, he came to give us a full life. He actually didn't save me for ministry. He saved me to give me a good life because he loves me. When I came to the Lord, it was of no, none of my own doing. And when, I, and when I got into his kingdom, he, he didn't come up to me and say, okay, Jeremy, um, I saved you for this and this and this and that and that and that and that and that and that and all these things you gotta do. No, he just welcomed me into his family. He did the same thing with the 12. It said he chose the 12 so that they might be with him first and foremost. And then it says, and he would send them out to do great things. But he chose you so that you could be with him. I'd venture to say that we've underestimated his kindness. actually sees the yes in your soul. No matter how muffled you think it is by your, all your own false ambitions and selfishness, he sees the yes in your heart. He sees the part of you that is wanting so badly to please him with your life. He sees that. take a risk for him, it actually draws all the attention of heaven to us because you'll be one of the only ones really stepping out and taking a risk. And you know what the Lord does in that moment? 
since he sees the yes in your soul, and even if he did a bonehead risk, he will see it and he will call it faith. And he will conspire with the whole universe to cause it to bless you, to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. He will cause all of creation to be turned to you, to benefit you. He will use ravens to feed you if he has to. inside of you and every demon and stronghold trembles at your rising in Isaiah 60 it's one of my favorite chapters it says Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations, nations, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn or the brightness of your rising. He's saying, stand up. Just stand up. Just stand up. You know that verse that says arise and shine? It doesn't say arise and reflect. He's in you. He changed you. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill. He put you on top of a stand so that your light gives light to everything around you. There is no darkness that can overcome light. No matter how dark a darkness is, it can't encroach upon light. So what is this light? If you guys have your Bible, open up to John. It's important for us to know what this light is that Isaiah is talking about, this, this light that has come. Because if we're still waiting for this light to come, then we would have a very different posture, wouldn't we? <laughs> this is John 1, verse 4. In him was life. It's talking about Jesus, the Word made flesh. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify to that light, 
so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He's come. Your light has come. Isaiah didn't get to see it with his natural eye. He saw it in the spirit and prophesied it so that we could benefit and walk in confidence that yes, that very light has come. And Isaiah is in the great cloud of witnesses right now looking down saying, that, that light has come. Stop pretending like it hasn't come. That prophecy was fulfilled. He's in you. He's in you. He's in you. You look completely different in the spirit realm from anyone that doesn't have Christ. You're a new creation. Don't you guys want to be like notorious in the heavens? I want to be notorious in the heavens. You know when uh, those seven sons of Sceva, those Jewish dudes in, in the book of Acts, they tried to cast out a, a demon? And, um, but they, they weren't actually believers. They were just using the name of Jesus. And they, they, they came up to this really demonized guy and said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I adjure you to come out of him. And that demon inside that man answers and says, Jesus we know and Paul we know, who are you? And that man, empowered by a demon, proceeds to beat the living tar out of those seven guys so that they fled that house naked and bleeding. It's a bad day. But what I love about that verse is that Paul was notorious in the heavens. You can be notorious. You can be known in the heavens. And you walk up into a dark situation or someone who is oppressed, those demons shake. They try to do anything to get that person away from you because they know that their time is about to be up if you speak a word of light. This image that you carry, this light, that is shining out of you is called favor. Favor is, is something that has been underrated. You guys want like a ridiculous advantage in, in making money? How about making relationships? Or, or just you happen to get introduced to the person that can make the dreams of your heart? come true because they want to finance your dream or they want to put you in a position where you can actually do the thing that you've always wanted to do with your life. Anybody want that to happen to you? How about just, just a general open door in the very direction of your passion? I would like that. That is called favor. 
Do you know how we get favor? The, the outcome of favor is, is being ridiculously blessed. It's like being uh, in a company where your dad is the CEO. You were just born into it. It's not fair. I'm telling you guys, favor is not fair. It is intergalactic nepotism. It is ha our, our father in heaven is CEO of the universe and he is going to give you a good position in his company. <laughs> guys, the key to this favor, you'll find it. In Psalm 37, verse 4, where it says, delight yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Favor gives you what? The desires of your heart. It opens up doors that no man can shut. So the key is actually delight. That verse is crazy. That verse actually says that we can delight ourselves. Start delighting yourself. You can delight yourself. You can delight yourself. Guys, you can delight yourself. Did you know this? That you can delight yourself in the Lord, in rejoicing, in joy. He will actually give you the desires of your heart. You'll begin to shine. begin to shine. Do you think the world is, is jealous of Christians who are depressed or like continually waiting for their train to come in? Or... No. When you're, when, you, when you're shining, it means that you're actually, you actually are in true joy. You've delighted yourself in the Lord and kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. Guys, I am not telling you a lie in this moment. The key is delight. The key is joy. The Lord actually told me a little over a year ago that, that laughter and joy would be the Trojan horse upon which all the angels would ride into storehouse. You think it's just like, oh, it's just laughter. It's a, a, a nice little Trojan horse. Let's let laughter in. And then all of a sudden, angels are bursting out of this thing. Thank you, ma'am. I was uh, just riding around in a truck one time, and I was listening to the... Testimony of Heidi Baker, and I was really getting overcome by joy. I was really delighting myself in the Lord and uh, experiencing the Holy Spirit just listening to this testimony. This was nine years ago, before Heidi Baker was as, as famous as she is today. She's notorious in the heavens. Um, but anyway, I was just overcome by her testimony. It was so cool. And so I said, Lord, let me meet this woman. I thought, she, like, she lives in Africa. Um, she does. Um, and a couple days later, I was in this little prayer meeting, maybe 100, 150 people in uh, CFNI. And uh, I was just on my face. Worship was going on. 
was really enjoying the presence of the Lord. And then I heard someone whisper next to me, oh my gosh, that's Heidi Baker. And I open my eyes and look over and there's this cute little blonde woman in the door. I'm like, I thought she would be more terrifying than that. She's actually a really cute little, you know, little lady. And, and, but I was really enjoying the presence of the Lord. So I just went right back to my face. Like my, my Bible was open and I was like this on the, on the floor. And Heidi um, wasn't supposed to be in that meeting. She was supposed to be in Africa, I thought, um, but definitely not in this little prayer meeting. But what, what she did is she didn't greet anyone in the room or high five any leaders or anything like that. She walked straight to me and laid on top of me and hugged me around my stomach and whispered my destiny into me. And kind words of love like a mother were breaking my heart. And I was weeping into my Bible. And the Lord said, you asked for this. And I actually, I had to tell him to stop. I felt like I was going to fall apart. My Bible was covered in snot. I kept, I still have it to this day. It's a crusty page, like right at Revelation chapter 4, the throne room scene. I was telling our, our interns in, in Encounter Jesus School um, about favor and and I said that when you begin to shine, kings will be drawn to the brightness of your rising. And you know, at that time, I decided to, to take a risk and, and start raising money to, to fund an album. I wanted to do a little worship album. And so I, I tell the students, guys, follow your passions. Go after the things that are in your heart because God put them there. He will draw kings to you to make those things come true. And they looked at me like I was trying to sell them swampland in Florida. Like, it's true. Two hours later, someone comes up to me and he's got a, a box. And on it is a king's crown, a golden king's crown. And he comes up to me and, and he says, I wanted to give this to you so you can sell it to fund your album is a Rolex watch worth $12,000. Had a king's crown on it. <laughs> Kings were being drawn to the, and all I did was take a little risk and I decided to pursue what I was passionate about. And I know what, you, like, I know, like, the reasoning that's coming up in your in your brain right now, like, whoa, 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 Jeremy. But there, are, you, you, there are times you just gotta, you just gotta die to yourself and take up your cross and follow. Yes, absolutely. And but wait a minute, Jeremy. His his commands, they're they're hard. It's a hard road to go. That one's not true. It says in First John. Chapter 5, verse 3, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. We have this whole mentality that he wants to give us the hardest life in the world. Did you know that what desire actually means? Vincent taught me this. Desire, the, the word actually means of the Father. He will give you the desires of your heart. He designed them and put, you, put them in your heart while you were being formed in your mother's womb.
looked up the word burdensome because that verse just seemed too good to be true. Burdensome. The commands of the Lord are not burdensome. They're not troublesome, crushing, demanding, disturbing, exacting, heavy, oppressive, exhausting, taxing, tough, trying, wearing, wearying, weighty, marked by great psychological weight. They're not weighted down, especially with sadness or troubles. Hallelujah. Doesn't bring a heavy heart, a heavy schedule, or heavy eyelids. <laughs> So if the commands of the Lord are not burdensome and you are in an activity that causes you great psychological heaviness and you felt like the Lord told you to do this thing, I would just maybe step back and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, this feels real burdensome. This feels real taxing, tough, trying. I'm weighted down with psychological problems right now and ask the Lord, did you tell me to do this? Or have I been tricked by the religious spirit who's been masquerading as the Holy Ghost? And chances are he's gonna say, stop doing that. And I know like if you're in a, if you're in a job or you've already given your commitment, you gotta fulfill your word, but the, ask the Lord, Open the back door for me, Jesus, and get me out of this troublesome, taxing situation. I made a mistake. Get me out of this place, Lord. He loves to save you. So delight yourself in the Lord. give you the desires of your heart. where we're trying to find this this balance where yes like we're we're enjoying the Lord but we're also obeying him and, and wait 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 what about this and and and, and that and, and I'm telling you guys it's simpler than we're, we're making it 95 like I said 95% of Christians are crippled because they're afraid of making a mistake in the name of the Lord. That number actually encourages me when the Lord told me that. It's like, oh, 5% of Christians are actually risking for you? That's awesome. I was encouraged by that number, honestly. Guys, just go after the thing that he's placed in your heart. He's kinder than we're giving him credit for. He's not waiting to slap you down and say, oh, you didn't do it perfect. 
You missed the boat on that one. <laughs> when we take a risk, like even if it's misconstrued, he is excited that we are actually taking him at his word. And he can clean up any mess that we make. owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has an endless amount of money and finances that he is literally waiting to pour out on people after they take a risk. After they go, when they go after the things that the Lord has placed in their heart. I've seen this time and time again. One of our students in, in Encounter Jesus School she, she finally was able to say what she really wanted to do with her life. You know how you just get covered up with so many false religious mentalities that, oh, I just want to serve the Lord, ministry all my life. That's what I want. Do you? And she finally realized, you know what I want to do is I want to have a home for hurt women like out in the country. I want to have land where we restore them. And how many days later was it? Yeah, it was like two days later, she's talking with someone she just brings up like this desire of her heart. And this, this woman's like, I have land. I'll just give you some. In East Texas, I'll just give you some land. And she's like, what, what do you mean? Like define give me land. He's that good. Jesus is that good. He is better than we imagine. He is the guy that goes above and beyond all that we ask or imagine. He is that good. He will meet your risk and double it. <laughs> Every time I've seen him, I walk away from the experience feeling like I can do anything. In January, I had an encounter where I saw him again and he assigned some angels to me. And these three angels, when they reached me, I feel that actually the encounter right now, when they reached me, I felt all of my zeal return and clarity, the clarity of my calling. I felt like I was hopped up. My body was just charged with adrenaline. And what they said to me, these angels that carry the heart of the Lord, they said, we believe in you. And we've got your back when you don't know what to do. Guys, he's got our back. He's real. He's not a set of rules that we follow. He's our best friend. He's the firstborn of many brethren. You and he have the same father. He is your teammate. Yes, he is your savior. He is the son of God. He is your brother. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And when you don't know what to do, he will come through for you. But we have got to start taking risks. It will draw the finances, the attention, and the favor of heaven to us. 
no one will accuse me of preaching an unbalanced message, I will tell you the purpose of suffering right now. <laughs> this is my disclaimer. There are seasons of suffering. There are times where you just have to go through this valley. But if your season of suffering has lasted years or something, I would, I would step back and say, Lord, what's going on here? Because you said joy comes in the morning. Am I believing something about you that isn't true? Have I missed something great about your personality and that's why I'm in this pit right now? Because it feels like it's lasted way too long, Lord. Would you get me out of this? Storms do happen. But we have to get this heavenly mindset that tribulation is the grandfather of character and hope, the great grandfather of hope. Tribulation births perseverance. Perseverance births character. Character births hope. And when you see like there's tribulation in your life, you get this weird thing that comes over you and you're like, all right, this is gonna, this is gonna be great. And this, this thing that James grabbed hold of will actually take hold of you and you'll, you'll consider all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith births perseverance. And you get, this, you get this mindset, it's kind of twisted. You're like, you know what? I love the feasting and I love the, the good stuff, but for some reason, I feel like just partnering in Christ's sufferings. It's, it seems twisted and counterintuitive, but Paul grabbed hold of this. He saw that even sufferings brought him into places of joy faster than mountaintops. I may know you in the fellowship of your sufferings. Sometimes Saul is our boss. Sometimes King Saul is your boss. Your, your boss is a modern day King Saul in your life. Do you know what that means? That God thinks you're David. That God is viewing you like, I'm going to entrust this King Saul to my David down here because it's going to make him amazing. At the end of this season, he's going to be like David, a warrior, poet, psalmist that changes the course of history.